Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 379. It's been a little while. My apologies, Brandon's apologies to all of you. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. He is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. We are coming to you on the evening after Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni's co-press conference. Um, Sort of the uh, post-mortem, if you will. Uh, nine days it took them <laughs> from the Eagles' loss on Monday Night Football uh, in the wildcard round to the – I mean, loss is putting it mildly – blowout loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, they gave some excuses up front saying weather, there was a snowstorm, people were sad, and they didn't want to do anything. They were just kind of like, oh, our season's over. I don't want to do a press conference. Oh, and it snowed. And whatever. So it eventually happened. And I think we got a lot of information uh, out of Nick and Howie. But before we get to our analysis of all of that stuff pertaining to your Philadelphia Eagles, Brandon, actually, there's a new place Mm. where we can find the finest meat snacks in the land. Is there not? On the way. Very exciting. According to our good friend, Dan Klausner. Righteous felon craft jerky coming to one of my favorite places in the world. And I'm not saying that without, I'm not saying that with hyperbole. There's no hyperbole involved in that. When I say that Wawa is one of my favorite places in the world and righteous felon craft jerky, hoping by April to be in over or around 300 local area Wawa locations. They'll just have two, fla- time. just two flavors in those stores, not as opposed to like, you know, the whole range you can get on RighteousSelling.com. So the move there is if you see Righteous Selling Craft Jerky at a Wawa in the coming future, grab a bag. If you really like it, buy it in bulk. So that way you're saving money uh, when you buy in bulk. So you can get either the hickory or teriyaki flavor in store once that launches there. So right. that's the way to do it. Buy in bulk. How do you do that? You go to RighteousSelling.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. And that's the way you get big time savings between the buying in bulk discount built in already and then the BGN15 discount on top of that. So underreported story, as I've said all year, Eagles did not have enough right to sell on craft jerky in 2023. A huge reason for their demise. But the good news is they can fix it next year. You know, they're going to make adjustments this off season, maybe more right to sell on craft jerky. Hey, they should go to right to sell.com and use discount code BGN 15 for 15% off their order. So they can get a discount and they won't regret it. All right. Uh, I think we should start with the actual news portion of the uh, press conference. Today, and the big where... news is we're back doing a podcast after we didn't do one. <laughs> I, Sorry. Uh, to the listeners, I think just to get into that a little bit, because I do want to 
obviously start where you're saying, Jimmy, but I feel like we should address that a little bit. Uh, okay. But part of it, I think, it was you and I, we didn't even speak. It was kind of just like an unspoken, well, what are the Eagles going to do? Like, so, like, what were we were waiting for them, you know, to do something in terms of Nick Sirianni's coming back, he's not coming back. We're kind of just waiting for them to do something. And obviously, it took a long time for them to do something. So I think that's part of the holding pattern you and I have I stayed had in here. Florida an extra day as well. Sure. And uh, I didn't even go to the locker room clean out day mm. being a bad journalist. Um, I, you know, when I had it in my mind all season that the Eagles were mostly going to be playing home games in the mm. playoffs <laughs> and then in the wild card round, they're on the road. And it was like, uh, it was, you know, it was just a total, yeah, deflating that I had to go back on the road, but wasn't the worst thing they were playing in tampa so mm-hmm. good weather i stayed in clearwater which by the way awesome highly recommend clearwater clearwater you did the town. philly accent clearwater, beach, clearwater. specific <laughs> clearwater beach uh more specifically is where i stayed it's awesome so uh enjoyed the weather there for an extra day uh while i was there and yeah so that's part of the reason why we didn't do a post game pod our apologies again but here we are and it's gonna be a good show and you're gonna like it and uh, that's all there is to it. To me, it's nice to hear from you, too, in part because it has been so long, but also because I got sick, not fun, tested positive for COVID today, first time. Ooh. So very oh, really? exciting. I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. Uh, thankfully, I am feeling okay. Uh, symptoms haven't really been too bad, knock on wood. Um, I felt worse on Tuesday than I did, and, and Monday and Sunday even late than I did today. I feel like I'm going in the right direction. So that's the good news. Um, but bad news is i couldn't I, even tell i didn't and thank you for our listeners i didn't even know this powering news until through. Brandon said it. Um, i've had a choice and it kicked my it kicked my ass both times horribly um most recently uh when the cowboys played in philly yeah i missed that game i didn't go to that game and i was in bad bad shape uh for that game and yeah the first time i got it it was it was pretty bad too and i'm like vaxxed and boosted mm-hmm. and all that stuff and still, I got, I mean, it kicked my ass. Anyway, I'm hap- happily, thankfully, I am vaxxed or probably could have been a lot, lot worse. You are around my parents' age. I think you're a little bit younger than them. Um, same deal for them. They just got sick, too. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't even see them around the same time, so it's kind of weird. Honestly, I haven't gone anywhere because between the snow that was mentioned earlier and the cold, like, I haven't just, I haven't in like, being focused on work with the playoffs that week. I haven't like done a lot, so I don't know how I got it, but whatever I did. And uh, here we are. But point being, I'm glad to talk to you because this is like some of the very few human interaction I've had uh, (laughs) in a while. And we have a lot to talk about. So you wanted to start with. Yeah. So with the with the actual newsy part of the press conference, which actually uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN (laughs) reported during the press conference that. Vic Fangio and the Dolphins were quote unquote mutually parting ways and that he would be the Eagles top target for their vacant defensive coordinator job. And, um, but not just that, I think a, not just top target. He also said like, he kind of like more definitively said, he expects it to happen slash <laughs> it will happen this time. Like he used some more definitive language in there too. He said, uh, Fangio will now be the top target for the Philadelphia Eagles to hire as their defensive coordinator and a deal is expected. Uh, Fangio and the Eagles had an interest in working together in 2023, but the timing didn't work this time. It will. So it's pretty, it's pretty definitive language there. <laughs> the timing didn't work is an interesting way of phrasing that. <laughs> it just, uh, for some reason, it just didn't work <laughs> out more specifically. So 
Vic Fangio started to kind of come on our collective radar when he just kind of started showing up at some Eagles training camp practices, you know, prior to the 2022 season, uh, both in Philly and Miami yes. when the Eagles had joint practices with the Dolphins uh, down in Florida. And um, I had gotten a little tidbit of information at the time that he was going to be consulting for the Eagles during the 2022 season. I didn't have like the nut flush on that, so I didn't report it. Well, BGN's um, Michael Kiss put that out there at the time. Eventually did put it out there. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I remember where I was when he reported that because <laughs> like I was big expletive out of my mouth. That like, <laughs> I've been working on like confirming mm-hmm. it definitively for like a pretty long time. And then uh, uh, Michael put that out. Good for him um, that he put that out. And I, I think he... I think it was like a Stanford connection, like because Fangio had a had some sort of Stanford connection where uh, he was doing some work for them, too. Maybe I don't know exactly. But uh, mm-hmm. Michael put it out there that uh, he was consulting with the team. And I, my in my digging on all that, I had sort of found out that the Eagles were planning for him to become their defensive coordinator after the 2022 season on the premise that they thought Jonathan Gannon might get a head coaching job and they thought that he might take Denard Wilson with him wherever he went. Um, as it turned <laughs> out, he went to the Cardinals. Denard Wilson wound, wound up like just well, they fought, not Nick, being with Nick the team anymore. He the did bring Nick Rallis with him, uh, the linebackers coach, to be his defensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, they, they fired Denard Wilson and then Jonathan Gannon went elsewhere and I guess <laughs> to unpack that even a little further, as you all know, probably by now, Jonathan Gannon, you know, made it basically communicated to the well, first of all, to the cameras coming off the field uh, after the NFC championship game against the 49ers, yeah. but also uh, privately to the team communicated that he wasn't going anywhere. And then, of course, during the the Eagles prep for the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, he had impermissible contact with the Cardinals. Um while all the other Eagles coaches were preparing for the Super Bowl, he had his, I'm sure he was preparing as well, but also had his mind on other things, which is becoming a head coach. And of course, after the Super Bowl came and went, uh, an Eagles loss, of course, solely, I mean, not solely, but the biggest reason they lost was because the Eagles defense had no answers whatsoever in the second half for the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid just absolutely ate Jonathan Gannon's lunch in that second half. He gets the head coach with the Cardinals. And then Vic Fangio, in the meantime, after Gannon had communicated that he was going back to Philly, and in the meantime, he went to be the Dolphins' defensive coordinator, and the Eagles were left looking for plan C. Plan A, of course, was going to be Gannon. Plan B was going to be Fangio. Hmm. Plan C then became Sean Desai, who, of course, that went down in flames. <laughs> I mean, with uh, him being replaced by Matt Patricia, after going 10 and three, and then the defense really just fell apart from there. Maybe not necessarily from, so like I've seen people try to argue that the defense, and I'm getting off on the tangent here, but I've seen people try to argue that the defense was actually like not as bad under Patricia as it was under Sean Desai. Like the advanced metrics might say that the defense was actually worse. Like, are you kidding me? Real? Like, did you not watch the game? Well, also quality of, freaking a, serious? quality of opponent like, the, too. Right. So yeah, right. They play the the Cardinals, the Giants, and they they excuse me, they lost to Cardinals, Giants, Buccaneers, and they also played the Giants again. Seahawks weren't weren't much to write home about either uh, mm-hmm. within that group of games where you know um, uh, Patricia was leading the defense. 
I mean, do you have eyes? Like, did you watch the games? Did you see, did you not see that the defense was, didn't know how to line up? Didn't know who was covering who? Got just absolutely got steamrolled in the run game. Couldn't tackle anyone anymore. Like the defense was substantially worse, in my opinion, under uh, yeah. under Matt Patricia than it was under Sean Desai. I don't think there's any argument to the contrary on that. Um, but anyway, I, I've seen people note that that's, that's wrong. Clearly, just flat out, that's wrong. Um, anyway, getting back well, on point, you know here. what else is wrong on a, <laughs> like, on a quick tangent? The idea that like it wasn't a big deal that Gannon was talking to the Cardinals or anything because like, right. Shane Steichen did that with the Colts or whatever. It's not. There was a settlement. Like the, the Eagles didn't like it so much that they forced or, or put a lot of pressure on the NFL slash the Cardinals to be like, "Hey, this went down wrong, and we're not happy about that. And now yeah. you owe us something because of that." And everyone agreed to it. So that clearly shows it was not handled like, or it wasn't that big of a deal. And people are making a bigger deal of it than it should. They should like, no, like, it, it was made into a big deal. Anyway, back to your point. Anyway, uh, they, they, I mean, they've had their eye on Fangio being their defensive coordinator for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. And now it appears that he will be the other defensive coordinator interviews that they had weren't really all that intriguing to me. Like Ron Rivera, I thought actually kind of has a similar profile to Fangio, not in that they run similar schemes or anything like that, but they're just kind of like, you know, guys that have been in the league for a really long time and, you know, kind of, you know, they've, they're lifers. Like they're NFL lifers. They also failed head coaches. And I think Fangio is a failed head coach. I think that's almost a little bit unfair mm. to him because his defenses are actually good. But you look at the quarterbacks that they had running through there, like Drew Locke and like Flacco was part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's some bad names in there. They, they, if you recall, like Case one Keenum year, in like, there too, maybe during, during, during the COVID year, they didn't have a quarterback at all. Like their, their wide receiver yeah. had to play. Kendall Hinton, I yeah. think maybe it was his name, yep. something like that. He played quarterback for them. That was during the Fangio year. So they didn't have anything offensively. And he wound up getting fired because their record sucked over, I think, what, what was he there, three or four years? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can call him a failed head coach because he, you know, they had a bad record and he lost his job. Uh, but what he did have was a really good, um, a ton of success with, with two teams as a defensive coordinator with the 49ers when they were going to. Uh, they, I mean, they made one Super Bowl and they lost. What was that? The, was that the Ravens loss? Yeah, that was. was, well, that the was, this was he was with Harbaugh, right? Yeah. Jim, oh, right. Jim, Harbs. Yeah. Jim so Harbaugh. I and I had spoken with somebody like around the time where I was trying to dig a lot on their, you know, him being uh, a consultant. It's somebody that was that, you know, had really uh, like a, 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 that was very close to those 49ers teams mm. at the time. They attributed their success during that time frame more to Fangio than they did to Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you could make the same argument for the Bears defense that was awesome in the Matt Nagy years. Like they, they, sure. they, they went twelve and four during the double doink year. Like they were, they were what the they, they were the two seed, I think. Yes. That year. And their yeah, their and defense the was like historically good in some ways. I think they had like an historically good third down defense that year or something. And they were the number one defense. I forget it was if it was points or yards, but one of those two categories. Uh, that's they were definitively like the best best defense in the NFL that year. And I mean, he so he had probably more to do with the 49ers success than anyone. During those during those successful I think years, a little before tough they to got say, given Harbaugh's success outside of the NFL, like outside of there too. But in any case, okay, 
I mean, the, those those teams were driven by their defense, though, more than they were their offense. Yeah. Well, eh, I mean, I don't want to relitigate that, all of that. Anyway, the point <laughs> is, I think, I think it's a well, I, I'm a big Jim Harbaugh guy. I think he's going to, he just got hired by the Chargers before we're recording this. I think he's really going to thrive there, but whatever. That's not an Eagles thing. It's neither here nor there. I do agree. I'm not trying to take credit away from Fangio. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, do, do you have anything else you wanted to say about him? Well, I guess the concern with him going forward is there are so many teams. Well, running can we focus on the some... positive first? I want to. Oh yeah, yeah. sure, sure, sure. I, I want to get to that too because I I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I just. Yeah, I mean, just I think his track record is just as a as a great defensive coordinator for a very long time. Yep. I mean, even with the Broncos, like the, like they mm-hmm. had good defenses there. It's just they didn't have an offense, and he got fired. So, I mean, I mean, the track record is obviously the biggest selling yes. point with him. And he's an adult in the room. Mm-hmm. It's like there's going to be some kind of floor on how bad the defense can possibly be. In, like the floor, there was no floor, as we found out. <laughs> and, I mean, maybe we didn't know that before the 2023 season began, but there was no floor on how bad the defense could get. By the end of the year, they're the worst defense in the NFL, I think, pretty definitively. And, you know, heading into 2024, I don't think that, you know, barring like just – an absurd number of injuries the, I think there's a certain floor that you can expect uh, for this Eagles defense and the defense ultimately, I mean, let's just be real. The defense isn't going to carry this team. It's going to be the offense. They're still going to have a very, even if Jason Kelsey retires, mm-hmm. they're still going to have a very good offensive line. They still have AJ Brown. They still have Devante Smith. They still have Dallas Goddard. Um, the hope and expectation for me anyway, is that Jalen Hurts will bounce back from a disappointing 2023 and we'll see how he can play in 2024. But um, yeah, I, I think that off, ultimately the offense is going to be the team that if the Eagles do great things, it'll be because of them. And the defense just kind of has to be competent enough to not bring the team down. I agree. Like, get out, just get out of the way. Like, basically, yeah. don't get in the way of the offense is the goal. And at the very least, even if better, great, awesome. That's sure. Absolutely. You take it. But at the very least, you want that competency. And there's a strong argument that Vic Fangio can bring that based on his track record, as you mentioned. Should note last year with the Dolphins, um, kind of kind of tough to gauge, you know, first year. So there's obviously going to be some transition baked into that. Uh, they ranked ninth in opponent yards per play, 15th in EPA per play, 16th in opponent offensive points per game, 16th in success rate, 19th in defensive DVOA, which accounts for quality of opponent as well, 20th in third down conversion rate, and 26th in red zone, which – Red third down and red zone aren't always sticky year to year, so I don't think those matter yeah. as much. But um, kind of a more of a middling defense, and obviously, like the Dolphins moved on from him. At uh, the Dolphins didn't want to keep him, uh, like again, like more than anything else in the world, because if they did, he would be there still. Yeah, they didn't stop him. Yes. So uh, now I do believe, <clears throat> unlike most cases where. There is a mutual parting of ways, usually just meaning someone got fired and they're just trying to phrase it more nicely mm-hmm. than that. I do think that that might be a little bit more true here in the sense that, uh, you know, Fangio is from the Philly area, East Stroudsburg, not like super close, like next door, but he's, he is a Phillies fan too. So, you know, and, and the thought that he might be here anyway last year. Um, so, you know, I do think there's some truth to all that. And yeah, track record. Uh, head coaching experience, I don't think is totally irrelevant. I don't think it's that the Eagles are bringing Fangio to think to thinking that he's going to definitely replace Nick. But I, I bet you they don't feel like 
uh it's the i feel like there's probably worst case scenarios to have for them in their mind in terms of like here's a guy that if things are going awry maybe we can turn to not again that i don't think they'd be jazzed and want to do that um and we'll get to nick in a bit here um in fairness to that dolphins defense they're dealing with a lot of key injuries jalen ramsey entered the season hurt and he ended up missing seven games Xavier Howard missed four games. Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, their top pass rushers, ended the season on IR. They got banged up. So, you know, there were some issues there. Now, at the same time, it was the third high, like highest paid defense in terms of cap space last year. So, you know, there's a lot of resources dedicated to that unit. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of I feel good about it. I think it does uh, <clears throat> raise the floor. It prevents you assuming things go well probably that unlike you know if you have gannon who you know we don't need to relitigate all of that but he clearly was someone who the nfl viewed as an up-and-coming head coach so you were going to lose that guy you you might not lose you don't need to worry about losing vic fangio just like the same way once upon a time the eagles never really had to worry about losing jim johnson like he had already been that done there been that been there done that uh and just like jim schwartz you know like same kind of thing where it's the failed head coach. And I don't say that just in a bad way brought up earlier. I say in an attractive way, because like, here's someone we feel like we can have stability with because he's probably not going to get a head coaching job. So I think that's another thing in the pro column, but I don't think this is, I don't, this is like an a plus home run hire, no downside. And I think you have some points that are good about that. Yeah. I mean, so like, the the deep the defense that he run and and people are running his a lot of teams are running his defense because they respect his defensive mind like he he's he's one of the most influential defensive minds and in and in probably the most influential defensive mind in the NFL right now because there are so many other teams that are trying to run some version of his defense and by my count there were six in 2023 the Saints with Joe Woods the Dolphins with Vic Fangio himself. Chargers with Brandon Staley, the Packers with Joe Barry, the Eagles with Sean Desai, and the Cardinals with Jonathan Gannon. Now, in that order, they ranked 15th, Mm. 19th, 26th, 27th, 29th, and dead last in defensive DVOA. Three of those guys got fired. Joe Barry just got fired today, uh, as luck would have it. Desai obviously got fired during the season. And then fired. Um, Brandon Staley... I mean, who's a head coach technically, but he got fired. Might replace Fangio uh, in Miami, apparently. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So there are two things with that. I think, well, first of all, you're getting at least the original if you're the Eagles in in Vic Fangio, whereas the other guys are just kind of knockoff versions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's maybe a a a simplistic way to put it, but um, probably some truth in that. Mm -hmm. And then also because there are so many, there are so many teams running it, Offenses see enough of it now where they they have a plan for it and they kicked that defense's ass all season. (laughs) Like So, I mean, that's the scary part of it, I guess, um, when you bring a a guy aboard that his defense has become very common in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of saw this to in a different way during the Chip Kelly years, where when he started running tempo, a lot of teams started just copying his best ideas and a lot of teams were running tempo. And teams are ready for that. Like the tempo didn't work as much. Mm-hmm. Like when you face the Eagles once, and like you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna worry about that during training camp necessarily. But during you know during the the, the season, you face them once, and then okay, we got to face this one team that's running tempo. But when like 
you know, six, seven, eight teams start implementing tempo heavily, you start seeing a lot more. You got to prepare for it a lot more. You got to be ready for it. And teams were ready for it in years two and three uh, of chip when they weren't necessarily in the first year. So I think there's some of that dynamic going on where you just face a defense or a style of defense so often you get used to it and you kind of figure out ways to beat it. I agree. I think that's concerning. I think you laid it out well. Again, I like the higher more than I don't like it, but it's not an A plus for me. Uh, it's more in like the B range somewhere. I think it's a good move. I think it's a worthwhile move. And uh, I do like something about the, you know, the crusty veteran defensive coordinator kind of yeah. uh, angry Philly. The Philly, you know, connection isn't everything, but. You know, as we, oh, I mean, Sean Desai, you know, again, Temple, it's not everything. He wanted to bring in Philly attitude, but uh, I don't know. There's something you like about it. I mean, that's kind of a di- not the, it's not the same thing, but there's something of that dynamic that the Eagles had when Jim Schwartz was around. Uh, you know, he was kind of, I think, more of the, you know, hard nosed guy, whereas Doug was more of the, you know, popular, like good cop versus bad cop kind of thing. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think, and yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't love the Ron Rivera idea at all, as I said on, the NFC East mixtape with RJ. I wasn't thrilled about it, but I did say I like the mold of this decision. I don't like the candidate so much as I like I like what they're thinking here. Like I see the idea, but I don't love the actual candidate. But with Fangio, I'm you know much more on board right. with the candidate, and I think the concept is reasonable. So at the very least, yeah, I think it's a, it's a move worth making. Um, I don't know. I guess in fairness, if someone were to ask, well, what defensive coordinator hire would be an A plus for you? I mean, I don't know. I guess you know someone they probably can't get realistically so that's kind of tough but uh yeah i think this is a uh i like this move more than a lot of moves they could have made <laughs> yeah i mean they could have certainly done a lot worse i mean it's, it's the, to put it mildly so yeah i think it's uh, ultimately assuming it's it gets, it gets done right. like it's not a sealed deal not yet, official but, assume, but the, the language done and it, it appears it's heading yeah. in that way strongly um yeah i, I think they could have done a lot worse and, and from a personal perspective I'm glad it'll be over with. <laughs> so I can, well, we still have the offensive coordinator, which we'll get to next. Well, but, not uh, next. If Well, I guess Nick too, but we should take a break here, Jimmy. So why don't you send us to break? Well, um, if you're looking to have beers that are delicious, mm. you should go to wrong crowd beer. Dot com. Well, wrong. Go to wrong crowd beer. The place. First wrong of crowd all. beer company in, in Westchester, PA. Westchester, PA. Nice little town. Fun little place. Great beer. They have good food. It's Westchester. Jimmy. Stuff. Not. I'm not saying you said this wrong, but you know, like, because there's also Westchester in New York or whatever. It's all one word. This is West Space Chester. I think you mean Worcester, Mass, Worcester, whatever, whatever. I don't. Well, I think it's. I think this in there. What well, in any a Westchester, case, New York too. Yeah, but this is. West Chester, West Space Chester. Okay, my apologies. No, I'm not saying West... you did anything wrong. I just wanted to make it clear that uh, that was the case. I'm sorry. Okay, for well, they're in West Chester. There you go. PA. I'm going to have a big pause in between each time from now on, just for Brandon. Uh, I'm going to have a Boser Bub when I'm done this podcast, nice. and then I'm going to go to bed. Um, but yeah, try that. And wherever you buy your beer, ask for it. So if they don't have it, say, yo, Goober. Where's the uh, wrong crowd beer? And if they do have it, great. Buy some up. Try it out. Try out all the different uh, varieties. And, uh, you know, as long as you're 21, do it responsibly. Boom. Back Back after this. After this. (laughs) 
Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio, where it's time to talk about not just one new coordinator for the 2024 Eagles, but for the second year in a row. Presumably Mm -hmm. two new coordinators with Brian Johnson reportedly not being retained i think i have some thoughts on brian johnson i'd like to say before we kind of okay look forward obviously as a the only card carrying member of brian johnson island tough defeat for me <laughs> for him to get fired yeah i do maintain that he was admittedly part of the problem i mean i think you outlined it in a really simple effective way where nick sirianni his offense brian johnson called the plays Jalen Hurts executed the plays. Failures at every level there. Certainly, Brian Johnson contributed ultimately to the problem. And problem here is relative because, you know, the offensive rankings were probably better than, you know, they didn't match. And obviously, I agree with the side that says, you know, it doesn't quite pass the eye test. I'm not saying, you know, that's not right. But again, it's not like they were also like an abomination. They were like statistically, that's just not true. They were above average. I think they underperformed their talent level, which is the problem. No, quite. Yeah, they were like, what, 10th in DVOA? Yeah. They were third right. the year before. 10th DVOA was just not good enough for the level mm-hmm. of talent that they had on the offensive side. Now, Brian Johnson, first time play caller. I saw Michael Clay get a level of patience as a second time special teams coordinator that Brian Johnson isn't mm-hmm. getting here. Uh, Brian Johnson, I think, I, I, I feel strongly between what has been made publicly and otherwise, that he did get hamstrung by some con- by some extent by really Nick Sirianni's own admission. I think most notably when you have that quote from which I, I teased, by the way, or I, not teased, I mentioned on the the last podcast we did the preview show for the Bucks show uh, about how Jeff McLean had talked to Nick Sirianni before the season, and Nick basically said in not so many words they weren't really focused on innovating the offense as much as they kind of just wanted to really perfect what they already do well right. and tweak it a little bit, which clearly was a huge problem. That's, that's exactly what yeah. happened. It was the same exact offense. So that's where I think people will be like, well, then, you know, how is Shane Steichen good? But Brian Johnson, you know, like, well, how does he get credit? And Brian Johnson doesn't get blame. I think it's clear that Brian Johnson's working with an offense that 
had the detriment of not really adjusting too much going into the the season. So I think Brian Johnson got a little bit of a raw deal. I think he still has a bright future ahead of him. And you can throw that in my face if that does not end up being the case. I think the fact that teams wanted to talk to him for their head coach openings was not just about the Rooney role. Considering last year, too, he also got a lot of interviews for offensive coordinator positions before the Eagles promoted him. So I'm not trying to say Brian Johnson can do no wrong. And I do think it's reasonable, ultimately, that the Eagles moved on from him because um, I I do think, you know, wanting better from the offense, I get it. And you weren't going to move on from Nick Sirianni at this point, which I would have, but they did not. And obviously not moving on from Jalen Hurts with your commitment to him. So if something had to go, I get it. But I do think that he got scapegoated a bit. And I think people uh, blamed him a lot more. He was disproportionately blamed, is my argument. I think he took way much more of the brunt of the heat for the offense than he probably contributed to the problems. Again, the proportions there. So that's my take on Brian Johnson. I agree with most of that. Um, I mean, he was clearly a downgrade from Steichen. Mm -hmm. um, But at the same time, you're right. Like, too much of the blame fell on his shoulders. And the reason why is because he was the new face. Like, so it was easy to pick him out of the crowd. Okay, he wasn't part of the equation uh, in the way that you mentioned it before, where it's Nick's offense, Brian's calling the plays, Jalen's running the offense. Well, he's the new face in that trio where Steichen was calling the plays. So it was easy to put the blame on the new guy. Um, and I get that. And, you know, I, I think that play calling at times was bad, like during the season, <laughs> like a lot of like, and I don't know how much of this was him too, by the way. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of gray area on who was actually making a lot of the play calls in some right. of the situations that they were in, like somebody like third and eight in the red zone runs <laughs> like that kind of crap was just infuriating. And then all like the, the screens that went nowhere. And there was one of those the instances, of the season. by the way, on third and long where Nick Sigani specifically said he over was overriding uh-huh. Brian Johnson for a pass and he wanted to run. So there was one instance at least where it was Nick Sirianni's yeah. fault and not Brian Johnson's that we know of. Yeah. I mean, the way the season went down, the heads were going to roll and he's just like, if that had, like if they had the season, if Michael Clay's unit had the season they had in 2022, if that happened in 2023, he'd be gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, like with anyone who had, who performed badly during the season where it was one of the most disappointing uh, collapses in the history of the NFL. If you had a bad season, if your unit had a bad season, you're going to be gone. So that's just, that's just the reality of it. Um, and Brian Johnson takes the fall, uh, as, as you mentioned for, for Nick Sirianni and for, and to a lesser degree, Jalen hurts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, he's gone and, It'll be interesting to see where he lands, whether he mm. becomes like an offensive coordinator again in college. Uh, I don't think that opportunity is going to come this year in the NFL. Like maybe he becomes a quarterback coach for somebody in the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see if like what level of job he can he can land um, going forward. Mm. But on the going forward note, Nick said during the press conference that uh, in regard to the new offensive coordinator they hire, whoever that may be, quote. I'm hiring him to do a job and to be in charge of the offense. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little back and forth on, you know, what exactly that meant in terms of who's running the offense. What's what's this is it still going to be your scheme, Nick. And he was pretty much like the it'll be the scheme of the new guy. <coughs> and then, oh, man, Tim McManus comes out with. <laughs> well, if uh, you're not running the defense, if you're not running the defense and you're not running the offense, what's your role? 
and like in print when you like we get the transcripts mailed to or emailed to us and uh in print his question on that just looks brutal so cutting and it was kind of brutal like in the moment too but in print it looks really bad but it's fair and, and uh, it's entirely the question that everyone totally is wondering question. of course of course and his answer was that he's the head coach and he's gonna you know basically become the you know kind of the the ceo coach who is basically in charge of you know the culture and um I don't know, kind of keeping. Oh, the team so like together. Jason a lot Garrett. of coaches, a lot of coaches do that. Like Mike, Mike Tomlin kind of has that role too, and he's been successful for a Dan long Campbell, time. Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, these are the names people want to yeah. say. Okay, so I mean, you can make that work, but okay, there's a big I mean, difference was... between those guys. But continue. <laughs> well, I mean, he does have a great record, like those guys. It's just <laughs> yeah, but on he's the... coming off a season where his offense failed. Well, and. And the culture you know, collapsed in a huge way, which I'm really concerning because I think that's one of the best things Sirianni big did bring to the table. But how things how ended this year is really alarming in terms of the culture's thing, and not just uh, that it did at all, but also when in terms of the, like the response to adversity. Like, those are the kind of things that you really would want to feel good about about the kind of the CEO head coach him overseeing that kind of thing. And to have those guys experience those kind of collapses before, is there anything on their resume that looks like that level of that bad? Probably not. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes. Um, he called the rightfully called the offense stale, uh, which multiple times. Totally accurate. He used that phrase <laughs> so, a like, lot. He, he did take accountability in terms of the offense looking like trash and, Certainly this new role for him is not self-imposed. Like I'm sure that during his meetings with Howie and Jeffrey, they were like, uh, we're not running your offense anymore. And he did note that like, it'd be stupid to not keep around some of the things mm -hmm. that have worked over the last three years. So, you know, the brotherly shove isn't going anywhere. Certainly. Right. As long as it's not banned this off season. And there are some other things, I guess that, that worked along the way, certainly during the 2022 season, a lot of things worked. Um, so the things that, that they feel confident in will stay in the offense, but it appears that it's not going to be Nick Sirianni's offense anymore, which is going to be a pretty big shift. And when you look at like who they've interviewed so far, not great. Like we'll mm. see, you know, who they ultimately hire. I think these guys were maybe not really serious candidates. Mm. Uh, the first being Cliff Kingsbury. I don't mm. think that's really a serious candidate in my opinion. I'm doing a thumbs down um, right now. For the yeah, me too on that one. Um, he you know he runs the air raid offense, which um, a lot of different versions. Not a lot of different versions of it, but a lot of different coaches run that. A lot of college coaches run that, and the the similar like the, I guess the. Um, uh, the common denominator of that offense is very shotgun based. Um, it's a spread offense, uh, not a lot of motion typically. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a similar thing to what you talked about earlier, which is what Nick was striving to have in 2025, which is they, you know, kind of run a limited playbook, but just perfect what's in there. Um, that's been a staple of the air raid offense. Like there's, it's not an expansive playbook. Mm -hmm. They just run a lot of the same stuff over and over and they become masters of executing the, the air raid offenses that have been successful. Anyway, they become masters of, of, uh, executing, you know, the limited things that they do. So sure that works in the NFL and it kind of didn't with, with Kingsbury. 
And then the other guy, which I think makes a lot of sense for him to start getting interviews is Gerard Johnson, mm-hmm. who of course was, was a first year offensive coordinator with the Texans in 2023. And I think that his work with CJ Stroud is, is pretty, you know, future soon to be NFL uh, offensive rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. I think what's, what's uh, really impressive about Stroud and maybe also Johnson in this case is that he wasn't really running simplistic concepts. Like a lot of his best plays were anticipation throws and, you know, being able to read defenses and, you know, making pro kind of throws, mm-hmm. which yeah, I think he played beyond his years as a rookie. And I think that when you see that out of a rookie quarterback, you know, some of the credit has to go to, you know, the people that were working closely with him and certainly draw Johnson applies. I don't th- necessarily know that he, if he's really inexperienced. So it was just this first year, just as a, as a quarterback's coach. Did I say offensive coordinator? I meant quarterback's yeah. coach. It, it was his, it was his first year as a quarterback's mm-hmm. coach, not offensive coordinator. My bad. Um, so he's starting to get, uh, inter- he's starting to get some nibbles uh, as an offensive coordinator, but I think he's maybe a year away on that. I, I, w- I would imagine. So I want to start in Nick first. I kind of mentioned my, you know, the Jason Garrett, Garrett comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the clapper. I, I can buy into <laughs> a CEO head coach working. Absolutely. But I don't want to hear Nick's here on his name again, among Tomlin and Harbaugh again, because I think the culture there is so strong. It is so pervasive. It's like the Steelers don't have a losing season ever. Like it is so rock. Uh, the, there's a strong rock bed there. It's just so solidified that like what happened to the Eagles this year concerns me that, I mean, or it's just not even comparable. Like, you're not even approaching that. So there's a long way to go to prove he's that kind of caliber from a culture perspective coach. I, I would argue <clears throat> also, I feel like the game management stuff has been lacking, so I don't love that. Uh, maybe now he has more bandwidth to really focus on that as much as he says they do, but I would like to see that change. Be- and, you know, my skepticism on that too is it's fourth and two in a playoff game where you've had this losing streak. You have to have some level of awareness that your job might be on the line, or at least it's being talked about that it could be, and you're punting the ball like he did against the Bucks. Twice, fourth and two, early in the game. Set the tone. Set the tone for the game. Do you believe in your players? No, I don't. I'm going to punt the ball. To our defense, which sucks and clearly can't get a stop, I'm going to count on them, <laughs> right. just like I did in the Super Bowl. Right. Instead of yeah. giving the ball to Jalen Hurts another extra time on fourth and two there, I'm going to trust my punter, who just came off IR and has never been good in the playoffs especially, stinks, and the defense that just gave up two 75-yard touchdown drives. Like, so I don't love the game management stuff. I don't love the aggressive, the lack of aggressiveness mm-hmm. stuff. That concerns me a lot and is a big reason why I don't think he should be here because it's, I just don't know what value he's really bringing to the table. But if we're talking about, you know, what needs to improve or where maybe he can, maybe that is the stuff where he can help give this team an edge. If he can really drill down on that and focus in on that, um, it has to be there. That has to improve in a real meaningful, big way. Especially because, you know, you look at like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, these coaches who are just absolute cowards. And if you can, you know, be more like Dan Campbell and be aggressive and take advantage of that, that gives you such an edge. That gives you such a big edge in the game. And we saw the Eagles win a Super Bowl once upon a time with that kind of edge. Anyway, uh, that's my thoughts on Nick Sirianni, the Mr. CEO head coach. I don't totally buy it. Also, yeah, <clears throat> with these offensive 
coordinator uh, interviews. Kingsbury, definitely not it on him. He was in the NFL for, what, four years, and they never had like a good offense. Um, I posted all the metrics on my Twitter, at Brandon Gellin. By the way, didn't mean to say this about Nick and Howie. We have that press conference uh, up here on the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed, so if you want to listen to the whole thing, you can just listen to it there. Rachel put that up, so check that out. Uh, <clears throat> but yes, Kingsbury, not really a resume that uh, impresses me. I think he's kind of he's gotten more hype to me because of like a casual oh he's worked with Mahomes and he's worked with this guy and kyler and i think he's kind of uh glommed on to success that isn't totally attributable to him or uh he's not i'm not intrigued i'm not intrigued by cliff kingsbury it's worth you can interview him whatever who cares interview everyone doesn't matter as long as you don't hire a bad candidate uh but with gerard johnson i am a little bit more intrigued because he played for a lot of different teams. I know not actual NFL, like regular season action, but he signed, he's, he had spent time in a lot of different teams, like training camps or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's been exposed to a mul- like multiple systems, both as a player and then as a coach as well, where he started out as an intern uh, under Kyle Shanahan, his coaching staff within the Bill Walsh diversity uh, program. So there's experience there. There's experience with Frank Reich. There's experience working with Nick Sirianni, and there was actually yeah. a good piece on this from the Indy Star back in 2020, where it detailed how Johnson, which, by the way, timeout, they're going to hire another offensive coordinator named Johnson. <laughs> and like that's going <laughs> right. to go over great, right? I'm sure no one's going to make any comparisons to the, the other Johnson they just had. Uh, anyway, time back in. Uh, there was a specific note or two in there in that article by the Indy Star about how Gerard Johnson had a really good working relationship with Nick Sirianni. So I guess you can look that at that as a positive because I, it's fair to, I think, say that something clearly was not like working right or being communicated right between Sirianni, Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts last year. So maybe this kind of helps them all get on the same page a little bit more. I don't know, but I guess that's, that's where I would think it could go. Right. All right. Um, other guys that could be fired. So it's not just going to be the coordinators. There's going to be positional coaches where heads roll too. I thought maybe we'd go one by one mm. and you tell me stay or go yep. in terms of will or should. Uh, will. Mm-hmm. And if you want to throw in whether you think they should too, hey, okay. we can do it. We got, we got plenty of time on the podcast. That's true. Too. <laughs> so, uh, all right, running backs coach, and I'll just go in order of the way these guys are listed on uh, the Eagles website. Running backs slash assistant head coach, Jamal Singleton. Uh, stay. Stay. Uh, passing game coordinator slash associate head coach, Kevin Petula. I mean, he's staying. He's staying. I mean, they pretty much said he's staying during the press yeah, conference. That's Nick Sirianni's uh, guy. Run- like, that's, I think Sirianni's not going to be back if Kevin Petula is not going to be back. Run game coordinator slash offensive line, Jeff Stoutland. I'm going to say stay, but I think Johnny, our own <laughs> our own Johnny Page on uh, the most recent episode, last week's episode with Shane Half, had some good points about how, like, this is on everyone. This failure is on everyone, and Jeff Stoutland didn't have his best plan and didn't bring his A game uh, in terms, especially as, like, the run game coordinator uh, this season. So I'm going to say stay, but. I think that's fair, but he's clearly going to stay. stay. Like, it's clear. The only way that he, the only way he leaves yes. is if but, the, he gets some kind of, 
I mean, first of all, like a, a promotion mm-hmm. with, from another team, but also like they're paying him a lot of money, as I understand it. Yes, uh, as they should. And he's so, been awesome as a whole, but he's not above criticism is, I think, the point. Okay, uh, linebackers coach, uh, DJ Elliott. Go. On. go. Uh, defensive backs coach, DK McDonald. Gone. Go. Uh, tight ends coach, Jason Michael. That's another one of Nick's guys. You can kind of go either way. I'm going to say they keep him. They probably don't care. I don't think the tight ends had a good year. I thought Dallas Goddard kind of had a disappointing year. He missed some time with an injury, yeah. of course. But even beyond that, like his numbers weren't. I really agree. That great. I don't know how much they care about tight end coach. True. Uh, wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead. Go. I'm saying stay mm. with him. Um, he's the beneficiary of having two awesome receivers who I think would be awesome no matter who their coach was. And we didn't see what I mean. They were hoping to get something out of Quez this year, yeah. and they just did not. So, yeah. Yeah, that could go either way. I'm gonna say stay. And also he could definitely go either way. Like what? You know, he's not it's not Sirianni's guy either. He came in with Doug still. So this is, you know, he's going back multiple. I think mm-hmm. not I think they would But also that that's a that's a feather in his cap though, too, that he survived a fire. Well, I think where why they would get rid of him if they did isn't necessarily so much about his position as much as what they think about his contributions to the offense. You know, because these position coaches, they don't literally just coach their position. They also a lot of them typically specialize in a certain area. Like, you know, one coach will do like red zone or third down or whatever. And if they don't love his ideas there, then I think they would kind of move on from him. Mm-hmm. All right. Defensive line coach, Tracy Rocker. Um, uh, I'm going to say, mm, I'll say move on. Um, that's a, and I like that you paused long on that one. Cause I think this is a tough one. I think, I think that uh, a heavy aspect of the evaluation of him is going to be how they feel he does with keeping Jalen Carter focused mm-hmm. and that's a good point motivated on the right thing. So that's something that we just don't know. Um, but I think that's a, that's going to play a big part in, in whether he stays or goes, I'm going to say stay on mm-hmm. him. But with not because the defensive line did not perform up to expectations. So that's my that's what's giving me pause. But I'm going to say stay on him because I think that he's if they think that he can work well with Jalen Carter and potentially get, you know, keep him keep his mind in the right place, then he's going to stay. Uh, I, I, th- I think that's a really good point. My thinking in general defense is they're just going to be more likely to make changes than not, because I think Fangio is going to want his own guys that could be, yeah, for sure. And then also, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on that point, um, you know, Jordan Davis admitted that he his his conditioning wasn't where it should have been at the end Again. of the year. And I don't know how much that falls on the defensive line coach, or how much you know. Certainly, it falls on Jordan Davis for not having himself in yeah shape to be the best he could be at the end of the year. I don't know how much you know it should be inspected of his well, positional coach. To- I will say, from a coaching level, the defensive line rotation clearly was not good enough i think they really yeah. rode guys a little too hard last year and weren't rotating it always and there's gray area there too whether that's on rocker because that's not it wasn't the case in 2022 it's never been the case for multiple coaching regimes schwartz rotated his guys <laughs> right. this uh, uh right. gannon same thing yeah 
All right, defensive ends slash outside linebackers, Jeremiah Washburn. I think they really like Washburn a lot. <clears throat> I think so, too. And he's got sort of like a front office background, too. He used to, yeah. So he's kind of the jack of all trades. You know who really uh, loves him? Is Who's that? My favorite guy, Jimbo Schwartz. Jim Schwartz, I asked him about oh, okay. uh, Washburn one time, and he gave a glowing. He said he could be a future head coach or general manager. He said he could be hmm. either one in the future. Okay. So if Jim Schwartz ever gets a head coach job again, which not impossible, because he had a you know a killer year in Cleveland last year, and if he has another one this year, uh, yeah, I think Washburn could be, uh, maybe his GM for all I know. Nichols coach Ronell Williams <laughs> gone. He had a tough job this year. With I, I feel bad for him. Local yeah. guy too. I think uh, Westchester. Speaking of, uh, I think would he go to the college there? There's a Westchester connection with Ronald Williams, I think. He's either from there, went to college there. So, uh, unfortunate and had a really bad hand with Maddox getting hurt. And honestly, before Maddox got hurt, too, I think you and I had talked about this. He didn't really look good in camp. So, Agreed. I don't think it was just yeah. the injury this year. I kinda, I'm kind of worried about him in general uh, moving forward. I can't imagine he's back at what he's being paid yeah. next year. I like Avante, I that is to be stuff. clear too. Like yeah. I like the, the person. So I, it's tough. I'm not, I don't, I take no pleasure in pointing out his struggles, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, I'll do one more here. Senior offensive assistant, Marcus Brady. Uh, no, like what, what exactly, you know, what he, that's a total to shot you, in the so dark. I'm going to say no, I'm, I'm going to yeah. say no, because I'm going to lean on the side that Lurry wants change. And then it's funny, you know who's next on this list? <laughs> it's Matt Patricia. He's like the, he's I'm gonna say on, one, two, three, no. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So he's the 17th coach down mm. on their list of coaches on their website, mm-hmm. which they haven't updated yet. Uh, so that's kind of funny that he, he went from there to basically number two <laughs> on a win. Great. Yes. All right, why don't we take another break here, and then we'll come back, and we will touch on some other kind of like just little tidbits mm. from the from the uh, press conference. But before we do, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtor is going to sell you a house. Yes, she mm. is. Whether you like it or, or not. Or you're going to list a house with her. Whether, you better list your house <laughs> with Kristen Roach of Roach. You voted by God by the, the best realtor in the history of the universe. It'd be crazy not to. 856-906-9295 is where you can call or text her. In fact, the spring market is right around the corner. And your house, if you bought one, probably worth a lot more than you know. Maybe worth uh, finding out like some home comps in the area. Get an idea of what it would go for if you put it on the market. Maybe Crystal will do that for you. Free of charge, of course, if you do eventually put your house in the market. We'd ask that you use her again. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, 
I thought you had a really interesting observation about Thank what did you, you want to what about you what you wanted to talk about next. Yeah, so um Bo asked Howie a question about it was really about the defensive line. I forget exactly how he phrased it, but um sort of their underperformance this year and if it raised questions on um, you know, kind of how they would prioritize positions going forward. And then how he kind of brought up the linebackers on his own and a couple things here. He, he mentioned that like, first of all, they still have a, uh, they still, be- they believe strongly in Nicobe Dean. And I think that was one of the downfalls from a front office perspective of the 2023 season is that they had way too many eggs in the Nicobe basket. Mm without really knowing if he could play, you know, handle a, a three down roll at all. And then, you know, he got hurt a couple times and he spent most of the year on IR. So you can't really totally blame him for that. But when he did play, he really wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what you, I don't know why you would, you know, just bring, nobody asked a question about the linebackers at all, how he just brought the linebackers up and he made a point to say how much they believe in Nicobe Dean. So if they don't kind of told me that like they seem fine with the linebacker position, which is insane mm. to me. Like I get the roster. I've been on board with their roster building philosophy for a really long time where quarterback matters, of course, obviously the most. And then beyond that, you want to be good in the trenches, offensive, defensive lines, pass rush, especially, you know, you want to be good on the edges, um, uh, both offensively and defensively. Um, defense, defensively edge rushers, offensively offensive tackles, and then like beyond that to a lesser degree, wide receivers and corners. Okay. And then the, the sort of the positions that get maybe put on the back burner a little bit, linebacker, safety, running back. I'm with, I'm with all that or was for a while, but there are just too many examples of teams right now in 2023 that offensively, if you, they can if, like, if, oh, sorry, if you don't have good linebackers, there are a lot of offenses that will absolutely destroy you. And I think, you know, exhibit a was week, what, uh, what week was 13, week 13, when the 49ers just did whatever they wanted to do in the middle of the defense. There are plenty of other examples of how, you know, teams just crushed the Eagles in the middle of the field. It was linebackers were atrocious this season. I thought Zach Cunningham was fine, but other than that, just bad across the board. And now he actually went out of his way to say about how good a season Zach Cunningham had. And yeah, he was a lot better than the other linebackers, but let's not get carried away with, you know, the kind of season that he was fine. He was, he was a competent player, Um, but he's not a guy that like, you're going to look, you're going to like in the future going to be like, okay, that that's he's we're set Mm -hmm. with Zach Cunningham. We're set with Nicobe. And like, no way. And you look at like a team like the 49ers, for example, where they have not dumped heavy resources into their linebackers. Like Fred Warner was a third round pick. Drake Greenlaw was either a five or a six. Uh, I'm not sure. And then, um, you know, there are plenty of other good teams with, with, you know, good linebackers that you know, maybe they weren't high picks or whatever. And the Eagles have used day two picks on a couple of linebackers in Nicobe Dean. Davion Taylor was another one that they took in the third round. But I think what, when and that's fine like okay so they did kind of try to solve those positions with reasonably high ish picks but when you fail 
at that point, it has to become a bigger priority to fix the position. Get 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 the freaking position fixed already. And they've done this. They've done this in the past. Like I think at at another position, maybe that they prioritize more than linebacker anyway. So it's not apples to apples comparison here. But you look at like when they drafted Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas, and then you know Razul has gone on to have a decent career elsewhere. But those two players both kind of busted in Philly, and then when they did. They were forced to spend a little more than they would have liked to on a cornerback when they traded for Darius Lay. They had to give up a, thir- a three and a five, and they had to pay him a lot of money to come to Philly, and that helped fix that position. Well, I think the same kind of thing is happening here at linebacker, where you got nothing, in my opinion. Like They have nothing yeah. at linebacker, and for them to think that they do is insane to me. They got nothing, and if you continue to go into seasons with nothing, same thing's going to happen. Like These teams like the 49ers are just going to, and the Cowboys, they're just going to crush you in the middle of the field like they both did this season. So... Uh, a little disheartening to hear how he kind of <laughs> defend uh, their stance on the linebackers and sort of talk up some of the linebackers that they have when really those guys just did not play to the level that is acceptable in the NFL in, in 2023. So I'll start with Nakobe. Number one, I mean, I, rookie season. You know, everyone's excited about him because, oh, my gosh, the Eagles got this guy in the third round with a steal. I'm like, all right, excited to watch him in training camp. Did nothing. Like, could not remember a single play that stood out from him at all and then in his rookie season he didn't play at all now i think the eagles have had a problem playing young guys that's fair to say yes at the same time if nick uh nicobe dean was again lighting it up in practice or like looking like this awesome player who they would have found exactly and they didn't and i don't think that's just like on the coaching staff being in the wrong and then in this training camp funny enough it was like the, the the very few times i wasn't there uh that you were saying like he looked good but when i was there he, he never looked good <laughs> yeah. again and, right. and then he was hurt again as well <clears throat> yeah so that is concerning to me especially too because of his body type just being as, as small as he is it's just i'm not seeing anything like you, you know with a guy with davion taylor at least and i'm not saying davion taylor is better than the kobe dean but at least like i'm being sold on the vision of this guy because he's super athletic like okay I, I see what you're thinking here again the it's not coming together in the right way this is wrong but i see the vision i don't really even see the vision with nicobe d like i'm not seeing what i'm supposed to buy into with him based on what i i mean yeah great college player sure but in terms of anything i've seen from him at the nfl level i'm really just not seeing it i will say on the linebacker position as a whole and maybe this puts me in the minority i guess i should preface it by saying i do believe there is such a thing that exists as a threshold and i've said that going back to Eagles investments or lack thereof at running back in the past where I've said sometimes they take it too far in terms of not investing enough they did that at running back in the past and that's what happens when Josh Adams becomes your leading rusher like you clearly went too far here in not valuing this position I do think Howie Roseman and the Eagles have been guilty of that I think it's fair to criticize them I will say one thing that annoys me about the linebacker discourse is what I believe to be this thing, I don't know if there's a term for it, uh, other than it's like you have a your ship and, you know, a, a leak starts springing out of it. You know, a wooden ship, you're in the water, in the ocean somewhere, and a leak springs. So then you put your finger in that hole, you know, to make sure that one stops. <laughs> then another one pops up. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a right. constant in the NFL because it's a salary cap yeah. league. You're not going to have a roster that's perfect. So you can't just be like, 
oh, we have to fix linebacker. We have to fix. We have to put every resource in. The, no, you can't just do that. You can't just be like, well, now we have to overcorrect at linebacker because as soon as you do that, there's going to be a new position of weakness that springs up somewhere else and that everyone else is going to be complaining about at that point. So again, that's not to say I think they should do nothing at linebacker. They need to get to that threshold. They need to do a better job of that. They didn't do that this past year. I absolutely am on board with that, but I get a little tired of like, oh my gosh, a linebacker makes a play in any game. Well, that's why you need linebackers. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no one's saying that you shouldn't have better linebackers. I agree with that, but I just like that. It has to be the focus now of the team. Like if, if we just, if we fix the linebacker spot, then we win the Super Bowl. I just think the linebacker thing, the, the level of, I get it. I understand why people are so frustrated with how bad it's been, but I think, I mean, even, you know, it kind of speaks to we're in an hour in the podcast and talking about it now, as opposed to it's not the most front of mind, biggest <laughs> thing yeah. wrong with the team. There are a lot of other things that need to be fixed first or like higher priority that need to be right. Like if Nick Sirianni isn't the right coach for this team, but the linebackers are awesome. I don't, I don't think I'd rather have the right coach for the team and the linebackers not be that great. You know what I mean? I think uh, the, the linebacker thing is getting a little uh blown out of proportion priority wise is my frustration yeah i mean you're not gonna use a first round pick on them and they certainly aren't um but also you can't go into the season with nicholas morrow as a potential starter yeah like that was it's just the you know, well, they didn't even so, do that they so, cut him and then, something. They, <laughs> and then they made him a starter <laughs> well i mean at, at the start of camp like he was the guy that was projected to be a starter yeah. him and, and then it went badly from there and Kobe. but yeah. i mean there's got to be a better there's got to be something in the middle that's the threshold there's got to be some middle ground for that yeah um he also mentioned that like in his defense at the linebackers oh the two super bowl teams like they had good linebackers on those and yeah they did like you know the 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 super bowl winning team in 2017 they had nigel bradham jordan hicks got hurt um michael kendrick's part of that mix and then didn't they signed a guy that late. They had Danell Ellerby. Danell Ellerby, yeah, Danell Ellerby. Um, but yeah, Bradham and Bradham had his best season by far that year. And uh, Kendricks was in, you know, had a decent season. It's kind of like a role player. And then obviously the most recent Super Bowl year, they got you know a great season out of T.J. Edwards. Um, maybe not a great Super Bowl out of him, but a great season otherwise. And then Kaiser White was a totally competent, you know, sort of uh, off-ball linebacker as well. But what what? But uh, Howie, like the teams that didn't go to the Super Bowl, you're talking about like Nicholas Morrow this year, like guys like Nate Gary, mm -hmm. Eric Wilson, like Duke Zach Riley. Brown. Like, Duke Riley, Duke, like, Duke Riley could come back here, baby. He just played well under Vic Fangio this year, <laughs> or at least better than he did in the past. Actually, did you see the fumble recovery that Eric Wilson had? I did. In that the, was awesome. It, it was a. That was one of the most awesome of fumble play. recoveries I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, wait, did they just say Eric Wilson? Is it the same Eric Wilson that was on the Eagles for like a hot He's second? He's been around. Uh, anyway, <laughs> point being, bad like bad linebacker play has wrecked their defenses mm -hmm. in certain seasons. And again, offenses can, if, offenses can now attack that. It's, you can't get away with having bad linebackers anymore. It just doesn't work in today's NFL. I think there's a larger conversation to be had about, and they've kind of been talking about this, I believe, on the SB Nation NFL show, among other places, about the idea of like the spine of a defense being more important now. Like, you know, like defensive tackle, linebackers, safeties. 
that's kind of like what the mm-hmm. and that's kind of even yeah, up the middle how yeah. the lions like their drafting strategy from the last year which got a lot of criticism from people and i don't think totally unreasonably so at the time but actually has been working out brilliantly for them that's kind of what they did between a running back in uh jamar gibbs and then a tight end in sam laporta and then a linebacker in jack campbell and then like a safety nickel kind of player in brian branch so brian branch, you know i do yeah. think there maybe there is something to that maybe you know the nfl is cyclical in a lot of ways and there's trends and we kind of talked about that in a different way with fangio so maybe there is maybe i'm underselling the importance of linebacker if that's where things are going I think it's fair again i'm not saying they shouldn't get to the threshold i'm trying to make that very clear they should get to the threshold but it's not it's not this shouldn't be like the focus of the team the priority of the team the biggest thing that needs to be fixed this offseason but it is one of them so that was interesting that he brought that up on his own and it doesn't really seem like the best sign of things changing although you know i i will give howie enough credit to say that i think he knows he needs to do something there at least more than he did last year we'll see i think he knows that <laughs> i'm not saying he will see i'm not saying he <laughs> is gonna spend a uh i i i think they I, here's here i'll call my shot now i think one of their top three picks this year is a linebacker probably not first okay round, but so they have they, they have a, a one and a couple twos that's what i mean so i think that maybe they take they, one in the they second use round a two and a linebacker yeah. I already I already wrote my first Eagles only mock draft. Uh, I'm probably not going to publish it for at least a week, but I have a linebacker as one of the second round picks. I already nailed Edger it. Edrin Cooper has Edrin Cooper, Texas A&M. He's in there. Edge. Oh man, a linebacker <laughs> name. Any kind. Of, I mean, I love just a, it's a great football. I mean, Edrin James, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> big Edge fan in wrestling. Loved loved Edge. I think he's still wrestling. Anyway. He was a little after my wrestling watching time. Didn't he have like some kind of uh didn't he have a partner? Yeah, Christian. Is he like a tag team? Yeah. Okay. Didn't they have some kind of like celebration that they did with their arms? I mean, probably. Like I can't I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't so much into that's probably a little bit before my time, that part specifically. I was more into it was maybe a little razor Ramonish. Mm, maybe. If I'm not mistaken. I was more into Edge on his own than than when he was with Christian. Anyway. Uh there are wrestling fans that are like uh, cringing at hey, my lack WrestleMania of coming to Philly this <laughs> uh, early April. So my time was like uh, like my favorite wrestler back in the day was I too uh, Junkyard Dog, and I think I brought him up before, and you didn't even know who he was. I know who Junkyard Dog. I mean, <laughs> I can't. Oh, okay. I don't know exactly what he looks like in my head right now visually, but I know the name. I'm I know Junkyard. I know that name. I've heard of that name. And then uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, I, who oh, of turned out to be a murderer. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and well, I think he I think he died pretty recently. Um, but as a wrestler, I was I was, a, you know, when he was jumping off the top rope as a kid, I was like, yeah, that guy's cool. Oh and then he wound up not being so cool. Uh, well, there's <laughs> some wrestlers like that. Uh, yeah, I was always a big Undertaker fan. Undertaker just, you know, awesome. Uh, get, getting to see him live as uh, like a 13 year old, 15 year old. So cool. Just, you know, the whole arena goes dark and he comes out slowly with his like uh, kind of the funeral music and it's like scary. And it's just, it's just cool. It's silly too. He's very gifable. Oh yes. Yeah. Exactly. He is. <laughs> yeah. Love the undertaker. Um, Eddie Guerrero was huge. Loved Eddie. Uh, he was awesome. And died gone too soon. Uh, very tragic um he was awesome anyway 
Uh, Cade's well, one more, the, the, one more. The Killer Bees too. Mm. Do, do, do you remember no, them? Definitely not. They're a tag team. They were like nothing, not anything that special. But they had this one gimmick. They do. They do it in every match. Like, and it'd be like, like if you're the if you're like the referee, like how do you not know that they're going to do this? Because they do it in every freaking match. Where like one of the Killer Bees is getting their ass kicked, mm-hmm. and then you know the guy who's fresh is like, you know, he's like leaning over, like, come on, they tag me, tag me, tag me. Yeah. And then they can't, like, they just, it doesn't work out where they can never make the tag. And the guy that's getting his ass kicked just gets his ass kicked worse and worse and worse. And then at some point he gets like thrown out of the ring. And then they both put masks on, oh. like on the side of the ring. And then nobody knows which one is which anymore. And then the fresh guy goes into the ring and just starts wrecking <laughs> shop. And then he wins. And then they complain to the, re- like the, the guys that, that, that lose the yeah. match, they complain to the refs. <laughs> <laughs> and then like if you're a fan of the killer bees you're like yeah they tricked them again they got, <laughs> got him with the, with, the, with the mask thing again <laughs> and then if you, if you didn't like the killer bees so you're like yo that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> they put masks on how do they not know that that's gonna happen the referee should have known that because they do that every match <laughs> that's good so I li- yeah, yeah killer bees they were fun too i like i like wrestling it's silly i don't watch it a lot anymore faithfully <laughs> i usually i do pretty faithfully i will say watch like the royal rumble every year because sometimes they have guys come back like you just said it'll be someone from like years ago who i don't even know but like you might know like it's cool that they do that so i like the royal rumble i think that's coming up pretty soon here um yeah all right oh if you like wrestling you can check out www.cagesideseats.com. That's like the Bleeding Green Nation equivalent of uh, the uh, or the, re- the, the, the the WWE slash AEW wrestling kind of equivalent of Bleeding Green Nation. Cage side seats. All right. Okay. Anyway, uh, what else, Jimmy? Yeah, I guess uh, one other thing, too, is, you know, they touched on Jalen Hurts and, um, you know, they kind of said that you know every every player needed to have a better season than they had. In, uh, in 2023, but the thing that I kind of found funny was, you know, this time last year, uh, you had, you know, Jeffrey Lurie gushing over Jalen Hurts' just extreme maturity, mm-hmm. like the most mature person he, like, person he knows, especially for his age, even went as far as to say, like, you know, my, my son Julian is is very mature, but he ain't as mature as Jalen Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and there he just went kind on and on about how comment if you're if you're julian right you're like okay <laughs> right. yeah what's up with that dad <laughs> what do you have to bring me into it for like can't you just say he's mature I love you, you son but you're not as awesome as Jalen Hurts, me? both as a player and a person that is kind of messed up i never thought of that but you're right um and then in this press conference they're like well you know he's only 25 years old so like they kind of did like a 180 like oh he's really young he's still learning blah blah you know like they went from like the oldest guy is like this guy's basically like tom brady he's like 40 uh, in a 24 year old's body and then this year "Ah, you know he's still learning he's only 25 so it's funny kind of how they did like how how their their own narrative on on their most important player kind of changed a little bit i have said multiple times that jalen hurts the exact same age as tommy devito same birthday, believe it or not. So hmm. there is some truth really? to that. Okay. And I think Jalen Hurts yeah. deserves a level of grace when it comes to leadership being questioned. And certainly uh interesting piece on Bleeding Your Nation this week from Joe Santaluquido, who obviously reported on Carson Wentz and things that were going on behind the scenes once upon a time and how 
certain people in the locker room and around the building feel about that player and person. And I don't think there was anything in there that is ultimately like irredeemable from Jalen Hurts. But I do think there's been enough between that Joe article and between you know, Jeff McLean coming out during the season and mm-hmm. saying that yeah, McManus and McManus, I think McLean's quote was there was our, there was quote, some internal concern end quote about, you know, Jalen Hurts and, and that leadership role. And I think, you know, part of that goes hand in hand with, I meant to get to this earlier in terms of Sirianni as the CEO head coach, like part of that is fostering good vibes. And I think he's done a good job at that in the past. So I'm not saying he can't do it again, but I kind of wonder how he's doing it when like, how does he feel about being in a lesser role? You know, cause I think there's a part of Nick Sirianni certainly that it's like prideful and in a fair way and wants to be involved, you know, and not just be cast off to the side. And I think other reporters have touched on that in the past too, where they like, I think Sirianni is aware of the credit that the likes of McVeigh and Shanahan gets. And he kind of wants to be, you know, considered in that kind of realm too. Um, which mm-hmm. is kind of tough when you're not putting up the results, but uh, so but but between that and Jalen Hurts not exactly going to bat for his head coach, I I think that was that was not handled. Uh, I don't think it was unfair of Jalen Hurts to to not really go to bat for Nick Sirianni because I think it's in in the moment after the Bucks game when he was asked, you know. Uh, if Nick Sirianni should be back or, or whatever questions about Nick Sirianni's job security. The non-answers of like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's a lie. It's, a li- it's literally a lie because <laughs> there's, a, there's a person who is employed by the Eagles, the public relations staff, who is dedicated to preparing the quarterback for this press conference. You right, Jimmy? You can back me up on that. He knew full well. Yeah, he knew full well that there was discourse about Sirianni maybe losing his job if that if that game did not go well. So e- and it's certainly it's certainly the game did not go well. Even if Jalen Hurts somehow doesn't pay attention to the media discourse at all, again he, he's being told by the PR person like seconds before he's going up on the podium about what kind of questions he's going to get, especially the most popular ones and the most potentially inflammatory ones that he could respond to. So that absolutely. Was something it was definitely going to get asked. Like, there was no question about it that that question was going to get asked. No doubt about it. And then, like during the locker room cleanout day, he got asked uh-huh. again, and he also again he pretended like he didn't know any, what we were talking about. Uh-huh. Like in that moment, uh, that you know Nick could potentially be fired, and he still kind of like, right. he still kind of like didn't throw full support behind, especially him, compared uh, to like, during, what that, Dak during said, that locker room session. What, and what Dak said about McCarthy, which. You know, again, I'm not saying McCarthy is – I'm glad McCarthy's back in Dallas. I don't think it's the right answer. But Dak said, you know, if, if he's not back, I shouldn't be back, I guess, either. You know, he, like, you know, really kind of t- – that's accountability. He took blame, and he stood up for his coach. And I get why John Hurts might not want to, because I think the coaching staff failed him in a lot of ways. So I don't blame him for yeah. that feeling. Right. But I do think, from a vibes perspective, and you're the leader – I don't know if it's the most the best leadership thing to do to kind of be like, yeah, whatever like about your head coach. I mean, maybe, you know, that's at least publicly to have that messaging. So I don't know. I think there are, are real questions about Jalen Hurts' leadership. I'm not saying that's like 
again, going to derail his career entirely. And I'm not saying it's Wentz level, but I think there are, I think he has to grow. I think this is a growing opportunity for him and as a, both a player and a person this season. And I, I would bank on him growing. I would bet on that. I feel good about that, but um, it has to happen. And uh, anyway, getting back to the Sirianni tie-in of that is that how are you fostering good vibes when you kind of don't even have a full uh, endorsement from your quarterback? (laughs) Uh, Don't love that part of it. And also, you're on the hot seat. You're clearly coming into the season on the hot seat. If the Eagles get off to a bad start next year, if they start out 0-8, is Sirianni surviving that? And what are the vibes like? You know, and How are you turning that around? And how am I supposed to believe because of your poor uh, job handling adversity in 2023 that you're going to be able to dig this team the next, the next time the team gets in trouble out of a hole? Like, how am I supposed to believe that? So uh, anyway, I kind of spun some of the hurt stuff there into the Sirianni of it all. But um, that's where I stand. All right, buddy. I got nothing to add. All right. Um, Man, I had a final thought I wanted to get to. Maybe it was that. I don't know. In any case. uh, Oh, well, let's do our let's do our uh, real quick. Let's do our picks for the. uh, Oh, yeah. Championship game. (laughs) I don't care about the spread. Who do you think wins? Who do you think is going to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't even know what the spreads are. I think I think the well, actually, Actually, I I do do know the 49ers spread is I think they're what favored by a touchdown. They're favored by seven. Well, the the games in chronological order are the uh, is the AFC game first. That is the Chiefs are three and a half point dogs in Baltimore. And then the uh, Lions Mm -hmm. are seven point dogs in San Francisco. Quote unquote, San Francisco. Yeah, both. uh... The Ravens Chiefs game is closer, obviously. I mean, but by, by the spread it is too. But also, I mean, just kind of what we know about those two teams. I trust Patrick Mahomes a lot more than I trust Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. But that Ravens roster overall is a lot better than the Chiefs roster, uh, quarterback aside. Mm. Um, I think I like the Ravens. Wow, their defense is awesome, dude. It is. I don't disagree, but man, Mahomes kind of just feels inevitable at some level so i'm leaning with the chiefs <laughs> especially getting three and a half i uh, you know it's i think it could be a close game and uh then i will i'm actually gonna take the lions to win beat the 49ers really i saw i didn't see the exact quote yet i had to look it up but our good buddy stats uh, messaged rj and i today and said something about uh well rj and me i should say Message us something about Nick Bosa trash talking Jared Goff, which don't love that. Don't love that as a development. In I hadn't seen that. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I did see it. I, I mean, they barely said anything. Like George Kittle said something like, uh, "We'll see about physicality" or something like that. It was very vanilla. Whatever he said prior to the NFC Championship game, yes. game last year, and the Eagles really. Uh, latched onto that <laughs> and pretended like that was some kind of inflammatory and they used it I credit to them you know, for making it work but also hey. at the same time like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was like that wasn't really that bad it wasn't even i just it was right. benign it was it was so benign that you know people like us are like looking for that kind of thing during the week because it's fun to write sure. about it's fun to talk about and like I remember kind of, I remember kind of hearing something about that but like thinking oh that's nothing who cares you really have to stretch <laughs> Yeah, so they they really stretch that further than even the media, which is kind of a, a hard thing to do. Yeah, uh, so who are you taking? 
Uh, I'm taking the 49ers because mm. they're just way better. Tough. So you're going to the Super Bowl logo conspiracy bowl with the red and the purple and the logo. So therefore, you're taking the 49ers and Ravens. You don't know this? That's a conspiracy? Oh, no. Jimmy. I don't, I don't know this. Uh, there's an article on SBNation.com about it. Check it out. There's The Super Bowl logo has had for a while here, like the colors of the teams that are in it. Like last year, there was like a tealish, wow. greenish, and a red. Eagles Chiefs. Oh yeah, no, yeah, right. Now that you mentioned that, the year yeah. before that, it was yellow and orange, Rams and Bengals. So you know, okay. Bit. Next year, they released the graphic for next year, I believe, and I think it's like a, it's kind of like a Kelly green. So it could be, it could be Jets, it could oh. be Eagles. Okay, yeah. it's not perfect, Kelly Packers, green, maybe. And then uh, I think also purple. So you know, it could be Ravens again. Ravens again. Vikings. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, uh. <laughs> we got to the sponsors we did everything it's a good episode yeah um haven't done this in a while so i'm like how do i close the show and i'm also like did i forget anything so much to say i think we got most of it and if not hey we have a whole off season to talk about everything moving forward certainly we will be more frequent in the coming weeks it will be at least like once a week right off season we usually do like at least once a week typically yeah yeah i, th- I think at least once a week as sure. opposed to in season you know we're usually more of a two a week so we'll scale back down yeah. to once a week here um we appreciate the grace you were giving us last week that we made you give us and we appreciate those of you who tweeted and were like hey where's the podcast yeah so it's, but very respectfully in in, in most cases I it's, I'm, I'm great i'm glad I'm glad I'd rather have that than yeah. people not do that because that means they're listening right, and they exactly. care. So we appreciate you and your patience. And it's a weird spot. I guess my final thought is kind of like a weird spot. I, again, I think bringing Nick Sirianni back was not the right move. At the same time, uh, I don't feel like the Eagles are necessarily doomed. I'm not ready to say they don't stand a chance in 2024. I think they still have a lot of good things going for them. I think it's possible this could work out. I just don't feel great about the Sirianni thing and he has a chance to prove me and everyone else wrong. So we'll see if he can a strong off season by Howie Roseman would certainly go a long way towards helping him out and giving him some more support. So we'll see if that can happen. And certainly we'll have a lot of, well, first coaching signing coaching decisions here to be made. And then we'll get into the free agency before you know it, the draft will be coming up. You said what Eagles have three picks on the top. 50 something uh i forget where the eagles pick in the in the second round like 54 or something uh, something like that top 57 yeah. 54 so they, there's some optimism there i also will point out as i pointed out to rj on the mixtape the eagles will pick six times in this draft before the, the cowboys make their fourth pick so that's kind of cool if you're looking for <laughs> uh some optimism over the cowboys uh because the Cowboys traded for Trey Lance <clears throat> is in part because of that. And the Eagles have the Saints second round pick. What did they give up for him again? Was that a four? A four. Yep. Okay. I think it may have been able to come more if, you know, an unlikely condition was met. But right, yeah. he had played or something. Yeah. yeah. And did not happening. So, okay. Yeah. We'll be back uh, at the very least next week. We'll see if the Eagles make any coaching changes, announcements. And we also have a Super Bowl matchup to kind of talk about at some level, obviously not impacting directly impacting the Eagles, but I'm sure we'll cover that a little bit. So 
many fun good things coming up here at bleedinggreennation.com i'm sure johnny and uh shane are gonna have a full breakdown assuming you know vic fangio hire is firmed up and uh, right. made official uh of exactly you know what his defense is all about in detail and what the eagles can expect and new personnel and how personnel here could be used differently or the same or whatever so really interested to see what they have to say about that make sure you check out the entire leading green nation podcast feed subscribe leave a rating review all those good things check us out on the youtube channel which we have to do that we have to do that this off season we have to i've been saying that for too long now i've been saying it like for years jimmy we got to get on youtube the system you and i are recording on right now is actually more conducive to that than the old one and we're actually on video and can see each other anyway so um just have to do it get those video files up on the bleeding your nation youtube channel you gotta get your background sorted out i don't think it's that bad yeah. i know you get self-conscious about it <laughs> yeah there's a chair back there now and uh my whiteboard with my it's not messy uh, my smiley got no nah, I, I ran a pretty tight ship over yeah. here yeah i guess you can't see my can you see my my goodfellas painting see i that? don't think i ever knew that was there no over the whiteboard you know what that is no let me grab that for you. Hold Jimmy on. is going on an audio podcast to go take off his headphones, walking up to his wall behind his desk. <laughs> and, oh, I think he has showed me this. I, I think I think you have shown me this before. It seems familiar now. Okay. So it's these it's two bad guys holding a guy. There we go. Over the, the glare uh, is very funny because over, it makes it over, I'll, I'll, I'll tilt it up. There, there we, we go. go. Is that better? Yes. They're, they're holding him over the bridge at the zoo threatening to feed them to the lions below See okay that? wait hold on That's keep this here wait can you put that back i want to take a screenshot of this and because people are going to be like what is this what is jimmy talking about here so i'm going to take a screenshot of this to be like this is what's happening on the new bgn radio episode okay well, they're at this it looks it looks not unlike my poorly drawn stick figures yes what is this from the end done good fellas hmm. the movie there's a scene in the movie where they're in the Miami Zoo, and I believe it's it's you know Ray Liotta who is playing Henry Hill, and I can't remember if it's Joe Pesci or I think it's Joe Pesci, or if it's Robert De Niro, but I think it's Joe Pesci who they're they're hanging a guy over the over the railing at the zoo, threatening to feed him to the lions if they didn't pay him whatever they owed him. Um, and that guy's mother wound up turning them all in. What? What? It doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's a picture of that mm. scene, and it's drawn not unlike my bad, my my mm. bad drawings. Like it's, it looks like a toddler did it. But you know who drew that? Henry Hill, mm. who was played by Ray Liotta in the movie. Wow. Henry Hill, uh, who, like the a mo- like a yeah. mobster who went into the witness protection program, and then you know what lived wherever. He was painting up these scenes from Goodfellas, and I bought one, and he's dead now. <laughs> um, so that painting's worth millions, obviously. So this is why exactly we need to get on YouTube so people can you know, witness <laughs> right. this. That's 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 my that's my prized uh, uh, ornament in my office. All right. Well, you wall hanging. Get your background you ready, Jimmy. Mine's always ready, as people know when I do the mixtape. Uh, on video each week so we'll figure that out it'll be an interesting off season to say the least and we appreciate you following along here on egn radio 
Uh, make sure you check out my work at bleedingyournation.com, Jimmy Kemsky's work at phillyvoice.com. You can check out all of our social media and sponsor information in the episode description below on whatever podcast app you're using and also links there as well. Convenient for you. And we'll be back to talk Eagles with you, probably assuming there's no major emergency podcast news coming out uh, next week. All right. Goodbye, everybody. P G N. <laughs>